Hey everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. A general market commentary today with our returning champion and friend, Mr. Robson, CEO technician. Uh, Rob, if only we had something to talk about. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. I like this. Is, <laughs> yeah. This is quite a, a backdrop here. I, I like my head is spinning, uh, you know, between the price quote changes and the headlines nonstop. It's it's wild. Uh, well, okay, I, I, we could let's just let's just dive in, Rob, because there's a number of ways we can take it. I, I want to get your thoughts on rising yields in the bond market. That's obviously uh, causing headstorm in the equity markets. Uh, I don't know if we've necessarily seen the end. Um, we got to talk about precious metals on the backdrop of what's happening in the Middle East. So maybe let's just start there because I think a lot of people who are uh, longtime listeners of this podcast and this show have some interest. Rob, I think you and I have been having this similar conversation before is that when gold rises on the back of geopolitical tensions, once those tensions subside, gold usually pulls back. Um, so, you know, obviously you want a healthy move. You want a healthy move and just strong buying for fundamental reasons in precious metals. What did we see in the last week? If we go back midweek last week through Friday and even last night, China was buying physical gold hand over fist. What are we seeing now? Um... That's a very hard question to answer. Um, I think I think we we've seen a lot of pain inflicted on market participants. I think this move in the last twenty four hours, from let's say like nineteen thirty five to nineteen seventy five, I think that was uh, shorts being carried out in body bags. Um, and it's interesting that we ran into that 1975 level again. If you think back to January of this year, that was the peak at the end of January, early February, exactly 1975. So that is a resistance level for sure. And I feel like that that move um, above 1950 overnight, I feel like that was just short squeeze time. I feel like that was a short squeeze in gold. And now gold's a little vulnerable, you know, because it's had such a big move in such a short period of time. You think back to last Thursday night, Friday morning, gold was in the 1880s. It was under 1900. And here this morning, we print 1975.80. That's a very big move. And you made a good point. Yields. I mean, what we're seeing in treasury yields in in the yield curve is frightening. Um, 10 year above 4.9%, 30 year above 5%. I feel like there's a problem brewing in the treasury markets and it has to do with a combination of factors, but probably the biggest one is just a deficit, this huge budget deficit that the US is running. And here we're coming into an election year in 2024. There's no way Congress is going to cut spending during an election year, right? So I just don't know how this is going to play out. It's it's complex to say the least. Well, in plus that you have Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying yes, we can afford 
two wars. Uh, there's been a hundred billion dollars on the table there to support both Ukraine and Israel. Uh, we the, the even the thought of cutting spending is just. Listen, it can be political posturing. It can be just words out of mouth. But when it really comes down to it, we haven't seen cutting and spending in 20 years, man. No, I mean, the numbers are, are mind-blowing. I mean, just even the spending to, you know, Ukraine in the last 18 months totals well over $100 billion, And now they're talking about another $100 billion bill, which I guess some of it will go to Ukraine, some of it will go... To Israel, it's just, it's amazing how the U.S. is the benefactor of all these countries and nobody has any discipline, like nobody has any fiscal restraint. And, and I understand that, you know, Ukraine is really important and, and we have to support uh, them in this difficult time, but the numbers really add up and... At some point, that credit card is gonna be maxed out. I just, it's. I guess we're gonna fuck around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put time to put the meme up. Uh, but is there discipline? Are you seeing discipline in the bond market? Are the vigilantes here just literally coming out and saying we don't believe you? I I don't know exactly what's moving the treasury market but i think that's got to be a big factor it's just the amount of supply that's being issued by the treasury and will be issued over the coming weeks and months and i have to think that the supply is the biggest factor driving up rates i know a lot of people say no you know supply is never the factor in the treasury yield curve it's always inflation and you know economic growth but I, I don't buy that because, yeah, okay, we've had a period of high inflation, but now, based upon the accumulation of data over the last several months, I mean, inflation is down to about 3%. So when you see a 10-year at 5%, that's not inflation. That's something else that's that's driving that. And I think the market is forcing rates higher to enforce a fiscal discipline or force the Fed to you know, intervene again. Um, I feel like I, it's impossible to predict this and it's, it's, it's a moving, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here, but I feel like we're coming, this is coming to a head here with, with all the spending from Washington, with the big bear steepening in the treasury yield curve. And, you know, with these rates, I mean, 5% on the 10 years, uh, backbreaking, you know, interest rate when you could consider $30 trillion in debt. Yeah. I mean, just on a personal note, uh, I, I moved <laughs> in hindsight, I moved uh, a large chunk of my kid's college fund into uh, a bond market, a bond mutual fund. Cause I, I'm looking at these, I'm looking at these yields, Rob, and I'm like, I can go super conservative here and get, probably get better returns than what the, the stock market is telling me, uh, mm -hmm. at least, you know, in, in the midterm here, until we get a little bit of clarity. I don't know when that clarity is going to show up. But I like these I like these rates. 5.2% Five, on a two-year, love it. That works. However, the, this double edge, the other edge of the sword here, Rob, is I don't know if that's the high. It might even go higher. 
The momentum, it just seems like momentum is even higher yields yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to go out there to the 10-year. I think you can just stick around in the 2 to 5s area and get that 5.2% yield uh, and, then, and then just see where things are in, in you know, a couple of years. Uh, and I think, that, I think that is what's pushing up, you know, the long-end rates is, is people are, are camped out sort of in that front end or, you know, the fives. Um, and nobody wants to take on the, you know, risk there at the, you know, at the uh, long end of the yield curve. And I agree. I mean, if you can get 5.2, 5.3% yield with quote unquote, no risk, just inflation risk, um, it's pretty attractive, you know, and while I, I guess I'm becoming more constructive on 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 the equity market here, as long as we don't have World War III, big, big caveat, I still think there's risk, there's plenty of risk here uh, to, uh, to the downside in the near term. And if, if you're just paying me to wait and maybe get into stocks at a lower price at a later date, that doesn't seem like a bad proposition, you know, either. Aren't you a little surprised to see the 10-year at just under 5% and the S&P still hovering at 43.40? Well, how about the 10-year at 5% and gold at 1960? Uh, We're we're always told, and and the correlation between real interest rates and gold has been very strong the last couple decades. If, you know, even if we say inflation is 4%, and the 10 years, almost 5%, that's still positive 100 basis points, you know, real yield there. You would think that would be weighing on the gold price more. But I feel like what gold is telling us, it's not just the Middle East. There's bigger factors in play here. And I think gold is seeing that we're coming to this sort of climax here in the next few months, maybe even by the end of 2023. There's going to be an inflection point, and the Fed is going to have to blink. Uh, I'm not saying the Fed's going to cut, but the Fed's going to have to blink in some way to get a handle on this, you know, yield curve. Uh, and there's a lot of people say, "Oh, there could be a Treasury buyback. The, the, the Fed could help the Treasury finance sort of a yield curve." Uh, you know, a YCC thing where they hold long-end rates at a certain level and use T-bills to sort of finance the buying of the long. And there's lots of things that, that, that could happen here. And all of it is sort of a stealth form of quantitative easing, uh, kind of just like that, that thing the Fed announced back in March during the banking crisis, also a sort of a stealth quantitative easing. So all of it is, is a, a positive uh, tailwind for gold. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how about the gold equities here? Uh, we've seen some pretty positive moves from the bottoms in the major gold producers and even the royalty companies. We like to see that. It usually is a fairly decent sign. What we haven't seen yet, Rob, is some of that momentum to trickle down later into, we talk about curves, into the junior mining curve. We haven't seen that yet. However, you know, slow and steady, given the last two years, I'll take any sort of positive news I can get, even if it's in the major gold producers. So what are your general thoughts here 
on just the beat down junior explorers and development companies? Um, you know, I was speaking to David Lotan, uh, you know, a friend of ours, um, yeah. last week and he made an excellent, he made a couple of excellent points about sort of the bottoming process in the junior mining sector. And he actually thinks that we are, uh, putting in a bottom and we may have actually seen it, uh, or at the very least we're sort of in the very end of the bottoming process. Maybe the tax loss season will be the final capitulation here in the next couple of months that will put in the final sort of nail in the low. Um, and, I, and I tend to agree. I think that we're having a sort of right-sizing of the sector right now. And this could play out for another several months. I mean, it could play out you know, into next year where investors are just going to have to take some losses on stocks, ideas that aren't working, that haven't been working, that aren't going to work, and move that money into the higher quality companies in the sector. Um, and really, for the sector to lift off, it wouldn't take a whole lot. No. Just a little generalist money flowing into this tiny little sector, this tiny little corner of the global stock markets could cause an, a, a significant you know, lift higher in, in share prices. But we need success stories. We need success stories. And, you know, that's, you know, new discoveries. But, you know, stuff that sticks, it isn't fly by night like... We have a new discovery, it creates a spike in the share price for a few weeks, and then, oh, it's not really a new discovery, and we go right back down, right? So, so we need success stories that really stick and attract new capital into the sector, because we're, we're not going to really see a lift higher when it's just you and me trading, you know, a few bucks back and forth, you know, with one another. Right. I mean, that's not going to do it. Like, we need new blood, fresh blood to flow into the sector. And that requires success. Yeah. Uh, Rob, last time you and I chatted, you shared one idea and that was natural gas and natural gas had a nice lift from when you said that, uh, just kind of curious, like anything else kind of, uh, grabbing your interest now that, uh, you know, out of the resources sector that might be, you know, maybe percolating in, in your mind here. Yeah, I mean, I think I think natural gas was a great trade there. Uh, it's pulled back a little bit off the highs, but I still I still like natural gas longer term. But today I sort of I brought a little prop, you know, with me. This is a half noble platinum noble from the Isle of Man, and my next idea is uh, platinum. And people are like, "Well, hold on, aren't you a gold bug?" Why would you be talking about platinum? Well, there's a lot of actual factors that are really favorable for platinum here. I mean, first of all, the price is less than half the price of gold. So there's one factor. Um, it's also sort of a, a backwater market. Not many people pay, pay attention to the platinum market. And, you know, investor sentiment is pretty negative on platinum. So that makes me more positive on it. And then if you just look at some of the marginal costs of mining platinum, uh, the average 
cost per ounce of platinum mined is over $1,000 per ounce. And some of the higher cost platinum that's pulled out of the ground is more in like the $1,300 to $1,400 per ounce area. So there's a lot of mining companies that are losing money mining yeah. platinum right now. So if the supply of that you know new mine supply starts to come down, which it is, uh, platinum prices should move up back above $1,000 an ounce. And I'll just throw in one more thing. Three quarters of the platinum mine in the world today comes from South Africa, from one country. And South Africa is having a lot of challenges in their country, including uh, power blackouts, labor strikes, and even mine closure. So a lot of that supply of platinum is high risk right now. And just simply put, if you can buy it at 900 an ounce and the cost to mine is over a thousand, it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's a no brainer. It could still go down, but the downside risk is pretty minimal from $900 an ounce and it could easily go back up to 11 or 1200 over the next you know, year or so. So I like platinum here. All right. Well, the solution to low prices is low prices. So I guess that'd be, that'd be your argument. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for your time. Uh, listen, let's uh, stay in touch here the next couple of weeks and uh, we'll see how everything plays out. I mean, every day is something new, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we'll see how it, the rest of these markets play out. I, I'm actually, I'm paying obviously a lot of attention to this treasury market, uh, gold and Actually, maybe before I let you go, silver silver's was raging higher this morning. It's putting in a very ugly inverted hammer, which is a very bearish kind of turnaround sign, typically, um, reversal sign. Any thoughts on silver, what we're seeing there? I've been of the opinion that silver is just in a big oscillating range, and I think we got to the upper end of that range here this morning. You know, if you're an investor, I think you look to buy silver on dips under $22 an ounce. Um, if you're a trader and you're trading silver, well, then you're just crazy. So it can't <laughs> help you. <laughs> All right. All right, Rob, have yourself a good rest of your week. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.